Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Welcome to Make It Clear. I'm so glad that you could be with us. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm the president of Florida Bible College and the host of Make It Clear. We have our Make It Clear podcast that really goes all over the world, as well as our opportunities to show our particular ministry by way of video. And I'm so honored to have such great guests from time to time that are able to share their story, which is really his story in their life. And I'm just as fascinated by these people, I think, as you will be. Today, I want you to meet a dear friend of mine. His name is Joe Castillo. Joe went to the same school I went to. It was Florida Bible College. And he has a wonderful story of how he came to faith in Christ and then what brought him to Florida Bible College. But even though that is so important and foundational, as you're going to hear about his whole life, because he really lives for Jesus Christ, it's how unique he is and how uniquely he has been designed by the Lord to be able to use the talent that he's been given to bring glory and honor to the Lord. So I want you to be with us for this entire program as you're going to hear the story of Jesus Christ in and through the life of Joe Castillo. So let's welcome Joe to our program today. Joe, it's good to have you with us. Thank you so much, Stan. It's good to be here and good to talk to you and uh, get a chance to talk about uh, what God is doing. I have to tell you that this is our second interview. We did one just recently, and you might not have heard that one. So we're going to repeat that so you know a little bit more about Joe, so you understand how he really entered into Christianity. And then we're going to get right into some very exciting information that I think will really inspire you as well. So, Joe, our folks often like to know, you know, we interview different kind of people. What is your faith story? What is your faith journey? How did you come to faith in Christ? Well, I was born brought up in Mexico City mm-hmm. and had the influence of both my father's family, it was a Catholic family. My mother's family, it was a Protestant family. But early on, when I was 14, I was invited to come to a camp where there was an artist. And he shared the good news that Jesus Christ had died for me, had paid for my sins, and I could be forgiven for my sins. I could have the power to lead a new life, and I could have the assurance of heaven. And so at 14, I received Christ, and certainly that changed the direction of my life forever. And it really has, too. And I hope that you've all trusted Christ as your personal Savior by faith alone. And if you're still wondering about this and you're kind of on your own journey and you're trying to sort it all out, let me encourage you to contact us at floridabiblecollege.com. And we'd be glad to talk with you and answer your questions so that you, too, can come to know Christ as your Savior. Well, we know that Joe came to hear this message at one of the Florida Bible College youth conferences where they were doing a chalk talk. If you've ever heard that, they're drawing with chalk and telling a story at the same time. And this really intrigued him because he came from a family of artists. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your family and how you got more involved in art? Sure. Um, Of course, being in Mexico City, we live in the part of the city, it's called Coyoacan. It was really an art community. Mm. And it was where people like Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo and Francis O'Gorman and Rufino Tamayo, very famous Mexican artists, all lived. Mm. And my father was a part of that community. Mm. And so I was dragged to every art show and every art gallery and every art event Mm -hmm. that uh, was coming down the pike. Mm -hmm. And so art became very much a part of my DNA. And um, I developed a real love for it. I mean, I was fairly young when I started carrying a sketch pad and... Mm -hmm. uh, 
course, I'm not sure that uh, this is the best use of art, but I figured out it was a great way to get a date. <laughs> uh, to saunter up to somebody and say, hey, can I do a quick sketch of you? And, you know, some attractive gal, and 20 minutes later, they'd have a reasonably uh, decent pencil sketch, and I'd have a phone number and a date for that Friday <laughs> night. But anyway, um, art really uh, became something that I was not only interested in, but passionate about. So you went from Florida Bible College, and then you did some work in the area of advertising, using graphic arts, et cetera, but still deep within you is a real desire to do a little bit more vanguard art, if I could use that term. And so tell us a little bit more about that vanguard art, so it's not just electronic graphics. It went much further than that for the Lord. So bring us up to date on that. Well, I'm, I'm old school, and even in advertising, I when I first started advertising, we did what was called cut and paste. I mean, we would use exacto knives and rubber cement or wax, and we would paste all these pieces together, and then they would photograph them and, and go to print, uh, that sort of thing. And so all of my art, mm. all of the media was organic. It was uh, oils and watercolors and um, pastels and pencils and pen and ink. And of course, one of my mentors other than my parents, was my Aunt Carolyn, who uh, became uh, incredibly well-known with the National Registry of uh, American Painters, um, lived in Key West for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And she would come down every summer mm -hmm. and take me on her painting adventures. Mm. And so she'd give me a canvas and uh, my own little set of oils, and she'd say, paint. Mm -hmm. And then she would hang over my shoulder and say, now you need to fix this, and that looks terrible. And <laughs> But having that background in organic, uh, hands-on um, art uh, was, was really the roots that brought me into advertising and then into what I do now, which is called Sand Story. Mm -hmm. But of course, good advertising is just telling a good story. Mm -hmm. And so combining the two, uh, the visuals and the good story is where I wound up. Those of you that are listening to this on a podcast or on the radio, I know that you cannot see the absolute gorgeous, inspirational sand art or sand story that Joe does. I'd like to encourage you to go to his website, sandstory.com. And that way you can kind of visualize. Those of you that are going to watch this on a video, then I want you to know they're going to be showing you up on the screen from time to time some of what he has done so you can be a little bit more understanding of it. But what's so interesting, he went from what he talked about, the watercolor, the oil color, the pastels, and he went into sand art. Now that's where it gets fascinating is how did he find out that sand art was something that he not only could do, although it's not a big step for an artist, but it is a step, and then why it's becoming so widely popular now as he tells stories, very biblical Christian stories, but also stories that other people would find very inspiring and encouraging. So Joe, tell us how that leap went into learning to do sand art and it developing into where it is today because this is it's fascinating because you were going somewhere when it finally came to you how did that happen uh, i was um the advertising obviously wrapped up i did 18 years of it and then wound up selling my business and uh going back to seminary and then pastoring a church mm -hmm. and it was while i was pastoring the church that i knew i wanted to tell the stories I mean, that's what jesus did mm -hmm. was he told stories mm -hmm. and that's the way he communicated his message but the thing that most people don't realize, but he, he also used art 
I had one person tell me once, well, painting and art is so important. Why didn't Jesus ever do a painting or have a one-man show? And I said, oh, you're so wrong. Mm -hmm. Every time he pointed to the lilies of the field or the birds of the air or the sunset or uh, the wheat growing in the fields, that was his artwork. That was his one-man show. That was his visual. And so I wanted to incorporate the visuals. And so as I started giving messages every week, I incorporated the visuals. I used the chalk talks mm -hmm. of the guy that had shared the good news with me. But I also did oils and pastels. I did speed painting. I did spray cans. I did magic markers. And eventually I was running out of ideas. Mm -hmm. And so Easter was coming up and I wanted to tell the resurrection story in a new way. Mm -hmm. Wound up at the hardware store getting some mulch for my wife. Mm -hmm. But when I got home, I had the mulch, but I also had a sack full of sand and a kitchen light fixture and some table legs. And I cobbled this thing together in my garage, mm -hmm. duct tape a handy cam to a tripod, plugged it into my TV set and started creating the images mm -hmm. in sand on the glass. Mm -hmm. And the images started coming together. Mm -hmm. And so that was the very first sand story ever created was the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. It's interesting because if you could see those different sand stories, you're going to see how creative they are and how you're, you're captivated by watching him move the sand around, still trying to kind of guess what that picture is going to be. And sometimes it's not until the very end that, that you're going to see what it is. And I'll tell you, it really rivets you because it, obviously a picture is worth 10,000 words or more. You mentioned about Jesus. I often think about when they took the woman in, in, in this moral impurity, if you remember, and he then wrote in the sand. Now, what sand story did he might tell I, then? I have always uh, been very curious about that. I mean, uh, it's, it's interesting that I discovered that the Hebrew language, which I studied when I was in seminary, mm -hmm. uh, actually lends itself to being done with your finger in sand. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so there have been a number of sand stories that I've included Hebrew letters and the Shema, uh, Shema Israel in, in Hebrew. Well, that sand uh, talent, that telling the story, but also drawing this, has really taken you literally all across the United States. I think I heard you say 47 states and how many different countries have been opened up to you to share your sand story? Uh, it's, it's a little hard to keep track, but I think 28, wow. certainly all, all of the continents and... Uh, uh, just a fascinating diversity of events as well. All right. Tell us just a couple different sand stories that you told. Now, you don't have to tell the story, but the sand story was about what? That you're drawing in the sand and telling the story. Now, some of it went very biblical. Others of it was very encouraging to the people who saw it and heard it. So go and tell us a little bit of a plethora of some of the sand stories and images that you have drawn and told. Uh, one of the fascinating ones was when King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia, who passed away, uh, I think about a year ago, uh, had funded his university, the King Abdullah University of Science and Technology. Mm -hmm. When they finished building it, they wanted to have a celebration. They had seen my work. And so they invited me to come over and tell the story of Kaust. Mm -hmm. And so here we are in this huge auditorium with 2,000 dignitaries and King Abdullah sitting right in the middle on a golden throne that they carried in. Mm. And I'm telling the story of Kaus University, drawing the sand first and then the camels and the palm trees. And then, <laughs> they know a lot about they, sand. They huh? do. And I think it's one of the reasons why they like the sand stories. I've been in the Middle East about uh, 13 or 14 Whoa, times. Oh, okay. And then the, the university rising out of the sand. Mm -hmm. And then I ended with a drawing of King Abdullah with his hand out holding the logo 
of Cast University. Oh. So that was that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the other ones that was just an incredible event. I mean, mm-hmm. goosebump material mm-hmm. was Juan Manuel Santos was running for president of Colombia, mm-hmm. and I think his first run was six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And somebody had seen my work, and so they invited me down there. Mm-hmm. And they wanted me to perform at one of his rallies. Mm-hmm. The Coliseo in downtown Colombia mm-hmm. has 35,000 seats. It was packed to the rafters. Mm-hmm. And they even had people on the stage. Mm-hmm. And so they shoved me out on stage and go tell the story. Mm-hmm. But the story that I put together, one of Juan Manuel Santos' passion was bringing peace between the revolutionaries mm. and the government, mm. the FARC. Mm-hmm. And so as I told my story of Colombia, I included mm-hmm. the kidnappings mm. and the shootings. Mm. And here were people with blindfolds on and barbed wire. Mm. And this auditorium of 35,000 people goes deathly silent. Mm. And all of a sudden, I start hearing people sobbing. Mm. And I realized at that point, I hadn't even thought of it before, I was getting goosebumps and my hair was standing up on the back of my neck, that a lot of people out there had probably lost loved ones Mm. in this struggle. Mm. And then I ended the sand story with a little boy holding a candle Mm. and the logo for Juan Manuel Santos campaign Mm. and the crowd goes nuts. Mm. And I mean, they were all yelling and screaming. And all of a sudden, these two big burly guys dragged me to the middle of the stage. Mm-hmm. Here is uh, Mrs. Santos with tears, a mm-hmm. mascara running all mm-hmm. down her face. And she throws her arms around my neck. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, that was so beautiful. Juan Manuel grabs one hand. The vice president grabs the other hand. So I'm standing there on the stage with 35,000 people, <laughs> everybody yelling and screaming. And, you know, and I'm thinking, how, how did I wind up here? Mm. But here's the cool thing. Yes, tell us. Is that after it was all over, we wound up in a room mm-hmm. with President Santo and his wife and Cindy, my wife, mm-hmm. and his son. Mm-hmm. And I got a chance to talk to him about Jesus. Mm. Mm. And that was the, the real highlight. You know, Joe, what you're sharing with me, the whole philosophy of how you did that reminds me of John 1, when Jesus said, you know, the law came by Moses. And then John says, but, and I love this, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Mm. And if people would follow that concept through scripture, it's always grace, then truth, or mercy, then truth. Grace and mercy comes before truth. What you demonstrated to the leadership of Columbia and the people was a total amount of grace, love, compassion, mercy, as they're going through times that are so uh, conflicted in their life. And so you love them through all of that, and especially honoring that, that gave you an open door then to speak truth, and nothing more important than the truth of the gospel, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And you know, this is what has impressed me, and I'm sure thousands of other Christians that have been following your ministry track, that no matter where you go, whether you publicly talk about Jesus or whether you do it privately, you always draw the people into you so that they'll respect you because of your love. And then you don't just let it end with you. Hmm. You let it ricochet off of you like Teflon back up to the Lord by always giving the truth of the gospel. What, what gave you that emphasis in your life to make sure that no matter what you do in some measure, either Christ is totally honored or the gospel in Christ 
is honored. How did you get that? Well, I, you know, this is, this is a little harder to talk about mm -hmm. because this is sort of the painful mm -hmm. part of understanding. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. No, no, I don't feel uncomfortable. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's part of my story and Good. I, and I love sharing it. Good. Thank you. But, but it's part of the story that some people would, would gladly do without. Mm -hmm. And that is that my first wife, mm -hmm. uh, Mary Bush, mm -hmm. who, to whom I was married for 26 years, mm -hmm. contracted breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And through various surgeries and treatments and, and whatnot, eventually we realized she was losing the battle. Mm -hmm. And so for the past, uh, the last two and a half years before she passed away, um, I became the primary health care giver. Mm -hmm. And so taking care of somebody who's dying mm -hmm. is, is not easy. Mm -mm, never is. But it was during that time that I realized the joy of keeping Jesus first mm -hmm. and being a servant. Mm -hmm. And so when I go and perform, I'm not the prima donna. Mm -hmm. I hear so many stories of people that say, oh, the last performer in here, he wanted this and this and this, and he was a whiny puts, and mm -hmm. he, he complained, and he, he was just hard to deal with. I come in and I say, I'm here to make your event mm -hmm. as good as it can possibly be. Mm -hmm. What time you want me there? How can I tell your story in a way that's going to really emphasize the best mm -hmm. about who you are and what you're doing? Mm -hmm. And that carries such weight mm -hmm. that then when it's all said and done, and they're so pleased with the event, mm -hmm. then I have an opportunity to say, you know, here's why I do that. Mm -hmm. here's, here's why what you do is important to me. And it works. You know, that style, that way to do that, that method sounds so calculated, but it's not with Joe and it ought not to be with us who are Christians. It ought to be, that's who we are. You cut our wrist, we bleed, love for the Lord, we love other people, and we want to do what we can to add value to them. And then when we're given that opportunity to open the door to that precious message of the gospel, we then very gently, carefully, but also courageously give that message. Now, Joe, a few moments ago mentioned the fact that he had the opportunity to speak to 35,000 people in somewhat, and I say this carefully, a hostile environment, or could have been hostile. But that wasn't his largest audience. Perhaps his largest audience was on stage in front of a camera and millions of people watching him as he went up through the competition on what you probably know as America's Got Talent. And through all of that, he never wavered on his convictions, but he always shared it with a great deal of kindness. Even so much that on the last night, when it was between two people to win, while he didn't win number one, he came in number two, he never compromised his spirit, even in the loss, if we could call it a loss, or even in his message. So why don't you tell us about that one night, that last night on America's Got Talent, and how you were feeling and what was going through your mind through that last night event in front of millions of people? Um, I, I actually have to go back to the, uh, the semifinals right. rather than the finals to tell the story because um, part of what I felt was God has opened this door to give me a broader stage so I can tell Bible stories. Mm -hmm. And fairly early on, I started getting some pushback mm. about the stories that I could tell. Mm -hmm. 
and I would submit ideas and music and they'd say, no, nah, no, nah, that's not going to fly and you can't do that. And, and so I got a little frustrated about that mm-hmm. because obviously I, I would have loved to have told the, the story of the Passion of the Christ, mm-hmm. uh, death, mm-hmm. burial, and resurrection of Jesus on mm-hmm. primetime television. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but they didn't, didn't let me do that. Mm-hmm. And so I started having to be a, wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. And yes. so I started submitting ideas where, where I could still keep my integrity, but where they would approve it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to tell the story of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. I managed to locate a song that went all the way back to the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Oh, yes. Everybody uh-huh. get together. Mm-hmm. Love one another right now. That's a Christian song, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you go back and listen to the lyrics of that song. It's fascinating. They talk about when the one that left us here returns mm-hmm. for us at last. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, it's anyway, I managed to get that one approved. Okay. And so I wanted to tell the story of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. The final image was going to be of Jesus holding a young man. And during rehearsals, the producer, and by the way, my little phrase is America votes, but the producers decide. (laughs) The producer came to me and said, well, Joe, that's that's okay. That'll work. But you got to get rid of the beard Mm -hmm. on that guy. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. So during rehearsals, um, I drew Jesus without a beard, except it didn't look like Jesus. Yeah. But then I got on live television mm-hmm. and I walked on stage and I thought, what are they going to do? Shoot me? <laughs> what? You know? So I went ahead and drew Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating what happened. Everybody knew it was Jesus. The audience knew it was Jesus. Mm-hmm. 13 million people knew it was Jesus. And Howard Stern jumps to his feet and he says, Joe, who is that supposed to be? <laughs> I said, Howard, or before I got a chance to even say anything, Sharon Osborne turns to him and says, Howard, that was Jesus. <laughs> Howard says, that wasn't Jesus. And then Howie Mandel down on the end, the jokester, he mm-hmm. turns to Howard and he says, Howard, you're Jewish. You wouldn't recognize Jesus if you saw him. <laughs> and so here they said the name of Jesus nine times on live <laughs> television. I never had to say a thing. So when I got to the finals, I really wanted to do something really special. Mm-hmm. And I had already prepared, because remember, I've only got 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. I had prepared a piece that was on 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to end it with the I-beam cross mm-hmm. that had been found at Ground Zero. Mm-hmm. I'd already rehearsed it. Mm-hmm. I'd even commissioned the music so they couldn't mm-hmm. turn down the music. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't let me do it. Mm-hmm. And by that point, I was okay. Mm -hmm. God, you got me into this. Mm -hmm. You brought me as far as I did. Mm -hmm. You are in charge here. Mm -hmm. And so I I wound up at the finals, did cartoons Mm -hmm. of the three judges and Mm -hmm. Nick Cannon, who was the host. And the first thing that Sharon Osbourne said was, well, Joe, I'm a little disappointed. I would have wanted you to do something a little more spiritual, something with a little more substance. Mm -hmm. And you just smile and you say, thanks anyway. But here's the good news. And the good news is that I got right to where God wanted me to be. Something most people don't know is that if you win, 
then America's Got Talent owns you mm-hmm. for two to three years after mm-hmm. that. And they tell you where to go and where not to go and they become your agent and they own all the property rights to all of the things that you create. So, well, we're just about out of time. And I just want to again, thank Joe Castillo for being with us. And if you'd like to know more about his ministry, but also he does this in public settings for all different kind of events, you need to go to his website. In fact, as soon as you can go to his website, sandstory.com. That's sandstory.com. If you'd like to know more about Florida Bible College, then go to floridabiblecollege.com. I want to thank you for being with us, Joe, and i also like you to know that we'd like to have you come back again. Wouldn't you like to hear more of God's story in his life and how the Lord is using him with his talent of sand story? So again, thank you for being with, you, with us today. My name is Stan Pons. I'm the president of Florida Bible College, as well as the host of Make It Clear. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Stan. I appreciate it. Enjoyed it. You bet. God bless you all. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.